now beginning transmission 80. Neonomicon. Final under Halloween, part 2. Hey, hey, you're all sinners. You're all going to the painful, everlasting, fiery ゲストの今週のエピソードへようこそ。さんたん。さん。ウィークアマトレイバンドコミックリーダーズスラッシュアマチュアニュースを使用と漫画とピアパクテルバーです。All ブラウン、インスタグラム、ニコン、サンカブライアン、キュー、アダム、トト。I'm Invincible, where I feel like Invincible took an, like a love of like the older generation of comics and modernized it and made it kind of fresh and fun, but like you still kind of it gave it gave me a better appreciation and understanding of like those older stories as to like the importance of uh, secret identities and like Spider-Man books and all that kind of stuff. And that's kind of what I felt about the Orville as well. Like it has a lot of the same beats. Like it goes to commercial the same way that uh, original Star Trek did. It has a very obviously a very deep love for Star Trek specifically I think the original series but also <laughs> has a little has a sense of humor about itself and has like a little bit of a modern just sort of quippiness to it but like I love the shit out of that first episode and so as we record this the second episode comes out tonight but I'm really excited about it because I, I dug it but so the, buddy fun little side note so Todd remember when we went to Universal Studios and my friend was a stunt guy in that stunt show yes okay so you know when the guy is in there fighting the uh, the big uh, troll thing mm-hmm. he's in the yeah. The stunt double for the troll thing is my friend Hawk. It's the same guy. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, so the guy who's doing the actual fight, not the guy who talks, that's my buddy Hawk. That's cool. So, Hawk, yeah, yeah, that was that's... the guy I was going to try to introduce you to, but yeah, that's that's who it was. So, But anyway, yeah, I loved the Orville. What was your thought on it? Um, I really enjoyed it. My, I think my challenge is my expectations by the previews were a bit colored versus what it actually was. So taking time to readjust to what the content was versus what I was expecting. But Are you expecting... Like, well, it's 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 starring Seth Meyers. I mean, the uh, guy who did Seth Family McFarlane. Seth McFarlane, you're right. I mean, the guy who did A Million Ways to Die in the West and Family Guy. Yeah. And I was expecting a bit of Million Ways to Die in the West, Star Trekified. Mm-hmm. And it's not that. And you can definitely tell he loves it. And it's yeah. a passion project for him. And at the end of it, I'm like, oh, I could really get behind this. And I'm definitely looking forward to watching episode two. The um, the advertising doesn't match up because they're like, oh, it's Seth MacFarlane. We must advertise this as everyone who loves Family Guy. Yeah. And I think they might be missing because those who love Family Guy already know Seth MacFarlane's name. And I think that's advertisement enough and trying to get others in. And it's a funnier version of a Star Trek type show. Yeah. It's a, it's a, yeah. 
Which I think, I mean, I, I understand from the, the studio's perspective, Seth MacFarlane is like their cash cow. You know what I mean? Oh, so yeah. like they, yeah, Fox, like he's their golden boy. So it's like, yeah, throw his name on the front of it. And yes, I mean, he is starring in it. Yes, he is writing it and executive producing it. But it's, it's more heartfelt than you would typically have. It's kind of like also when you think of South Park, you think of it as being like really crass and really rude. But it, there are some very heartfelt moments. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those guys, I mean, like have... They, they, they will sometimes go for like the, the moral center of things as well and I kind of got that same idea like there's very much a love for those Star Trek series which I mean I wouldn't have necessarily expected out of uh, Seth MacFarlane but then if you think about it like think of all the episodes they've done with Star Trek references and like the, the Will Wheaton episode where uh, Stewie builds the transporter and beams them all in and and he's like taking them to the uh, to McDonald's and they're all ordering and annoying the shit out of him. Like, that's a little bit more of what it's like. You know what I mean? I think so. But yeah, I, I really... I don't... Also with Seth, though, you can see some of his more serious side. He's released a couple music albums in like the style of Frank Sinatra. Yeah. Well, and he's and great. That's, I was going to say, and that's something I forget that he can like sing his ass off. And if you have uh, like a subscription to Apple Music, you can mm-hmm. watch the Carpool Karaoke Show. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's an episode that's him and Ariana Grande, and they're singing show tunes the whole time. And Ariana Grande is like looking like she is in absolute love with Seth MacFarlane and like flirting with him the whole time. So yeah, his ability to sing and he um, on his music albums, I mean, it's very much Frank Sinatra esque yeah. his style, but he plays it straight and he's he's really good. And his music, his uh, Christmas album is really good and it's a serious i say serious it's a straight take on the genre and he's not simply a comedian yeah and i think the orville is a little bit more of that and it's it was so advertised as the oh look how hilarious this is because it's great for a short little clip of funny things but it's more than that yeah and yeah that's my I, yeah i did enjoy it but recalibrating to it's not just half-baked as a yeah. sci-fi the advertising was setting your expectations in a weird way. Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't setting the expectations properly for what it was. That's right. Like, I actually, to be honest with you, the one other thing about the Orville is, is with that new Star Trek series coming out on the app, I'm kind of like, mm, I don't really care. I kind of got the Orville. I'm kind of okay with that. Sure. I'm not going to pay for CBS access now, pay us yeah. 10 bucks a month just for this show. Yeah. I don't see it being that. I mean, they're not yeah. HBO. The other useless fact, I think, is part of... Because like, um, Frank Sinatra Jr. Jr. has appeared on Family Guy a couple times. Mm-hmm. My understanding, the way that Seth MacFarlane met Frank Sinatra Jr. is through his vocal coach. They have like the same vocal coach, if, if I understand. Like, no. I think that's the story I heard. So that's that weird connection to it. But yeah, no, he actually is a really strong singer. Um, I'd be very interested to see him do like a Broadway run, you know? I would, too. The challenge is um, he's busy. Yeah, no, for sure. And like doing six months with a year... Yeah. He's busy, and he's ridiculously wealthy because he's Fox's cash cow. Yeah. So he'd be the kind of guy who's like, yeah, I'll do it for a week and say, look what I did for a week. But nope, not doing that for six months. Yeah, or deal. maybe a summer break or something like that. But yeah, mm-hmm. I can't see him do that. Well, yeah. um, uh, Billy um, from Green Day, he did a uh, he did like a, a short run on American Idiot just before it closed. Mm-hmm. And came in his, I saw uh, that on Netflix. That was good. Uh, oh, the uh, the Broadway Idiot? Yeah. The documentary about that? Yeah, it was pretty interesting. Yeah, and normally the guy who stars in it is in that um, the newsroom. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. That was pretty interesting. Yeah, he's in the newsroom, and I'm like, huh, that's all right. Do we have Adam back? Okay, I've been here for a while. Okay, Yay! Good. 
I've been here like cool. the whole time we've been talking about Orville. So. Oh, I'm sorry. Moist, 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 mother moist, <laughs> mother moist, moist, mother. Moist, I can't mother. believe how moist mother is. <laughs> uh, I hate you all. But fancy vagina. No, <laughs> oh, bad puppy. Bad puppy. Well, you're a little cunt. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll see you next Tuesday. Okay. Uh, well, welcome Wednesday, to episode 80. Uh, 80? God damn 80. it. Yeah, this wow. is 80. Yeah, oh. how weird is that? Uh, so we are doing Neonomicon by Alan Moore and Jason Burroughs. Uh, we have with us four lovely, lovely, lovely ladies here to entertain you. Our first on stage number two, here to shake her booty for you, we have Diamond, also known as Maya. Hey everyone, uh, this is Jeremiah, or Maya. Uh, you can catch me if you're in Salt Lake at Dr. Volt's Comic Connection. Um, or follow me on Twitter if you want to see pictures of my cat, at Mr. Maya. Cool, and gentlemen, get your dollars ready for on the main stage, we have Adam. <laughs> dollar dollar bill, y'all. <laughs> hey, what's up everyone, it's Adam. I'm film critic and reviews editor for Big Shiny Robot. Also the co-host of the Board as Hell podcast uh, with Andy Wilson. Hi, Hi Andy. Andy. Hi, girl. Um, yeah, not. I mean, we're doing two in a row, so I kind of feel like there's nothing new since last week. <laughs> also, you should see Adam pick up those dollar bills with his ass cheeks. It's amazing. Ooh. Just clap that ass. I've been doing kegels. <laughs> and back on the main stage, but you can call him Todd. Yes, so my uncle once, I made a broad statement one time and my uncle looked at me and says, you know, those are mighty big words for a man with no butt. <laughs> That's funny. You know, and there's a lot of truth in that statement too. I just kind of go from back to thigh with like a vertical crease somewhere in there. <laughs> So that's what we're stuck with. But hi, I'm Todd. You can find me on the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. And if you find me elsewhere, I'll be really impressed. I did go out the other night in Salt Lake, and there was this dead pigeon just sitting down I there. I saw that. And someone had set a cigarette right next <laughs> to this pigeon's mouth that was used. And so you have this dead pigeon. Looks like it's just finished smoking a cigarette. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of awesome and creepy and awful. And amazing, and That's, I'm taking a photo of this dead pigeon with a cigarette in its mouth and posting it on Facebook. What does that say about me? But eh, sounds like fun. I was say, that's almost as good as like the the raccoon roadkill that had like balloons next to it with a sign that says "Get, Get well, well soon." soon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That is horrible. So yeah, so uh, this is Todd, the man with no butt, who is never going to be able to pick up dollar bills with his back end. I don't know why I decided to start introducing us strippers today. I, it just, it, it's just the way it goes. You're, I'm a little bit lubed up, and it's feeling pretty good. Lubed up and ready to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, hey, uh, I'm Brian. I'm a sound designer in Southern California, currently working on a video game called Killing Comma My Friend. And my other funny story about strip club announcing is uh, I was working... How do I say this story? Uh, I, I was working for a family event, and we were auditioning DJs for it, and we had like a script that we had to give them. And it was ridiculously difficult for them to do the script without sounding like a strip club DJ. Like, they're supposed to introduce <laughs> these performers, and it all came out across, like, and on this stage, we got Diamond. And so, like, it was, we, we kind of, like, I, a friend of mine was, was uh, auditioning for it, and uh, since I was there early, I was like, 
he's texting me like any advice I'm like yeah whatever you do try to make the script not sound like a strip club because like that's like there's only about four people who could not make it sound like it was a strip club it's just this really awkward dialogue that they had anyway hmm. so so this week we are reading the Neo Nomicon. Um, I believe this was recommended by Adam, or was this recommended by Todd? Um, I think this wasn't. This I don't think this one was me. Was I don't know if I recommend Absolutely not me. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might, I might have thrown it out there as a creepy book, but I don't remember if I like. I don't remember if I said I liked it or it was just it was creepy. I don't know. Yeah, we were at a stage. So basically, what ended up happening is we were <laughs> we just throwing out books. I, I, I tried to do like two from Adam and two from Todd. Is what I thought I had done, and then Maya recommended next week's book. I so, love next week's book, Maya. You're welcome. We're talking about this <laughs> week's book, sir. Well, just as a preview of things to come, I love next week's book. Oh, bad puppy. <laughs> bad puppy. Okay. But so anyway, so this week, it's, uh, so it's Neonomicon. So had anybody read it before this? Or is this the first time reading I, for all of them? I, I have time. not. I oh, read it, okay. yes. Oh, you had read it before? Yes. Then Adam okay. was the one who so, recommended it. The, the backstory with this was, and I think actually the reason why it came up was, uh, I was listening to radio and it was, or uh, a different podcast, and it was brought up that this book had been banned from like a college or something like that. Oh, and really? so the moment I hear something has been banned, I have to go read it because that's just the type of person I that did I that am. in high school. I read every mm-hmm. book on the band, uh, book list and did book reports on them. And I got away with it for most yeah, of the high so, school. And, so that, I think that's why I, I originally picked it up. And also because I love Jason Burroughs. Uh, he's one of my favorite comic book uh, artists. So. Well, so we'll call this Adam's uh, recommendation. So basically, this is a book about investigators in- investigating an occult, or seemingly occult crime, I guess we should say. Yeah, and actually, it's, uh, it, is, it is a sequel. So Alan Moore had originally written a book called, a really short one called The Courtyard. Yeah, and The Courtyard is in this collection as well. Yeah, so, so and if you read that first, it kind of gives you information as far as where this is going. But if you read it last, then it's kind of fun because you actually don't know what the fuck's going on, and you kind of figure oh, it out really? as well. Hmm. Yeah, cause see, in my in my trade, it has the courtyard first. Yeah, oh, really? That's, that's it's it's in that one first, Adam. Yeah, okay, I've got the courtyard in here too. The other interesting thing I'm going to point out, and I, I was looking for a rationale behind this, but I haven't found it. But this is what I just thought was interesting. I don't know if anybody else noticed this. Is the courtyard? All the panels are set up vertically, and in the rest of the book, all of them are horizontal, which I thought was really interesting. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, and I, I was like, I, I was like, there's got to be a point for this, and I don't exactly know why. But, like, it's all completely vertical in the courtyard, unless it's a, a full-page spread. And then in the rest of the book, in the same story, unless it's a full-page spread, it's all horizontal panels. Um, there are no, like, little square boxes or whatever. It's all just, like, sort of across. So it's just... it's It seems very deliberate, and I'm sure Alan Moore has some sort of crazy wizard reasoning for it. However, uh, I'm not exactly sure what it is. So, anyway. Okay, well, that being said... Should we get into our uh, drinking games for this book? Because I, I, I would Absolutely. tell you more about this book, but I don't want to ruin it and give away <laughs> too much for, about it, so I'm not saying too much beforehand as far as preview goes. Um, sure. Nope. Cool. Oh, thank you, Maya. Maya just sent oh. me the roadkill with the get well soon balloon. <laughs> and now for sports. Listen up, sports fans. Prepare yourself and your liver for this week's drinking game. Remember, it's only a game, and if not one at that... So don't take it too seriously. And above all else, please drink responsibly. Future Brian, edit the shit out of that and make it sound like it makes sense. Thank you, Future Brian. Thank you very much for making that make Love sense. Love you, Future Brian. Yeah. Future Brian deals with a lot of shit, though, I gotta say. 
When in general, current Brian says, fuck future Brian, I'll do what I want. <laughs> Past Brian's an asshole. That, that's Brian. that asshole's problem. Past Brian is an asshole. Future Brian is very helpful. Okay, okay well so, then. So overall grade then, or would we buy it? No, I fuck. Okay, so I think we're going drinking game. Let's drinking, do drinking game. Okay. Drinking game. Okay. okay. So my, my drinking game is the wish I had a universal translator drinking game. Uh, oh, okay. Any there is a there is a uh, language in the book that is uh, I would describe it as probably like a Lovecraftian language. Any time that that language is spoken in the book, drink. I think it's called like Arco or something like that. It's called fucking stupid, is what it is. <laughs> you know, what? I almost did that same rule, but I was going to call it gibberish, is what I was going to call it. Okay, uh, Adam, do you have a uh, rule? <clears throat> yeah, every time uh, it's called what the fuck. Like... <laughs> Every time you see something that doesn't make sense or is just absolutely like grotesque, and you're like, "What the fuck?" You have to drink. I don't okay. have that much liquor. Yeah. <laughs> I do. You should come to my place sometime. <laughs> I've seen your liquor. I have a yeah. lot of liquor, and then I go to my wife. Liquor? I hardly know her. Yeah. But I'm ching. <laughs> no. <laughs> I got one. That was for Maya, not me. <laughs> Okay, uh, I, I have a drinking game rule, which I'm calling gratuitous nudity. Mm-hmm. And uh, so every time you see some unnecessary nudity, there is... And I'll let you decide for yourself. Depends on how much you want to drink, I guess. Uh, take a drink. Uh, I also have another rule, but I think it's too much of a spoiler for it. Todd, what is your drinking game rule? My drinking game rule is um, I'm scared to ask what's behind the veil. So... Okay. <laughs> Book that kind of wears a veil, kind of like you know, you see like women and I Persia, like belly dancers, except it's this dude and he just has this silky veil put on your face. It's like, so what the fuck is behind that veil? (laughs) And the guy speaks with a funky gibberish, like his lips have been cut off. Yeah, he's got a lisp of some kind. He's got a crazy lisp, like either his lips have been cut off or his face looks like Davy Jones from the Pirates of the Caribbean movie. (laughs) But you can't quite decide which one it would be, and you're scared to ask, do I dare ask, what's behind that veil? So every time you see the guy, take a drink. With with your drinking rule, Brian, and Adam's drinking rule, those can be applied to basically every Alan Moore book. So what the fucking gratuitous? <laughs> no, yep, that's true. Actually, mm-hmm. don't read don't read Lost Girls, boys and girls. It's uh, ugh. <laughs> it's porno. You can say it's like artistic porno, but no, it's no, still no. porno. It is ped- pedophilia porno. It really is. Uh, I no. bought that and I went. <laughs> that, hmm. that one. That, that one's puppy. for you, Alan Moore. That what? That, that one was is exactly for Alan, Alan Moore. Moore. And for the wizards that live in his beard. It's bad enough. Okay. I, I'm considering getting rid of it just so if anyone ever sees it, they don't oh, you, think I'm a pederast. You own it? Well, I didn't read I bought it and I, without ever, I'm like, oh, it's Alan Moore. I should read Alan Moore stuff. So I bought it and then I opened I hear, it up and went, well, this was a mistake. I hear that your favorite movie is Lolita. <laughs> well, and, and just another what-the-fuck example. I, I brought it up to, to uh, Adam's husband, Eddie, earlier. In League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, he couldn't <laughs> call the character Harry Potter, but it was Harry Potter, and his dick was his wand that shot lightning. That's amazing. Which one is that one in? Uh, I'll have to look it up. It's one of the more recent ones. Like the Black Dossier? He, 
Yeah, I think it's I think it's that. Didn't one. he like just finish that too? Or there was one there there were some that were also named like 1973 or something like years. Mm-hmm. And I uh-huh. can't remember. It's either the Black Dossier or one of those that has the years in the title. Yeah, I read the first one and then just wasn't feeling it. I never read any of the other ones. I just was not a real big fan of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah, same here. Then we watched the movie and it sealed the deal. Yeah, you might say that's a bad movie, but it was also kind of based on bad source material in my opinion, but that's mm-hmm. that's fine, whatever. Uh, well, cool. <laughs> it was like a very appropriate time to get uh, votes as to whether or not you would read this book or re- uh, or whether or not it's worth you, the dear reader's time. Vote for Pedro. So I've been asked by the judge to be the form. Vote for Pedro. And I want y'all to know that we's going to run a fair jury and a clean jury. It's time for a vote because we love you and we don't want to waste your money. We will now vote on whether this week's book is fit for human consumption by you, our dear listener. Along with each vote, our panel will also provide one piece of evidence to support their vote. Vote for Pedro. Do you expect me to talk? Vote for Pedro. Now, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. There's nothing you can talk to me about that I don't already know. So we're gonna go with Adam. Uh, no, it's it's not so much that the there's a there's a lot of good things in the book, but it's it's just it's just Alan Moore doing acid and shooting shit out of his dick. So no. Is it rainbow colored? It's something. Depends on what page. Uh, Todd, what's your vote? I'm also conflicted on this. I um, it's not that I regretted reading it, but. I feel I would be overly judged if I recommended to someone else and they actually did. And they would go, he recommended this to me. Something must be wrong with him. So it's not that I didn't enjoy it, but I'm not (laughs) sure I can recommend it. So no, in that regard, no. You know, I am almost exactly there with you. So I'm going to say my vote is, I'm going to go on with a no, but that's just because I'm like, I read it and it was fine. I just was like, did I need to have had the experience of reading this book? Not really. Um, not that I was irritated or upset by it. It was fine. I liked it. Okay. But it's not necessarily something that I'm going to jump out and say, oh, you really need to read this fucking book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Maya, what is your vote? Absolutely not. I'm not even <laughs> flip-flopping on this. This book is a piece of dog shit. I wouldn't, I, wouldn't reckon, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't put anyone else through this, and I'm sad I had to go through it. <laughs> Are you sure? Uh, I'm yeah. not sure you're sure about your opinion. <laughs> I think it's the first book since Bobo Bo that we've all said no on. Yeah, and I'm kind of yeah. surprised, to be honest with you. I thought I was going to be the guy who kind of went, well, I'm kind of on no. Because like, it's not necessarily that I... like. It's not like Bobo Bo or, for me, Age of X, where I just really fucking hated it. Like, mm-hmm. I liked it okay. I just was like... But it was just unnecessary. You know what I mean? Like, I just didn't feel like I had to have read this book. Okay, well... There's your votes, kids, so take that with what you will. I think we're all recommending that you just plow on through the break. I'm going to give you a break anyway, and you can pause it if you really want to go and read it. And like I said, like I don't necessarily hate myself for having read it. It was actually okay. I don't even necessarily hate myself for having bought it. Maya probably does. Uh, you said but plow. <laughs> if you want to read it, fine. Yeah. You, you kind of you, you want to go. You told the audience to plow through the break while well, that book plowed itself through me. It's fucking awful. And, and, and you, book you plows may, a lot. Yeah, you, you may want to go uh, take a bath with some bleach and steel wool afterwards. Yeah, it gets a little dirty. Um, okay, well, so we'll leave it up to you. But we'll see you on the other side of the break, and then I will uh, be doing the lightning round. Prepare for that fun, kids. And uh, we will uh, we'll spoil the shit out of it. So if you don't want it to be spoiled, pause, read the book. It, 
to. And uh, if you don't care, then we'll we'll reveal all the horrible details coming up after this break. If you have yet to read this week's book and would like to read it now, press pause. Go ahead. We'll wait. The motto of today's show, kids, is let's get through this. So, But it's not like it's medicine I'm gonna do the either. It's like, just get through it. It's medicine for you. It's uh, like, no, let's just get through no. it. Hopefully it'll pass. Taking medicine is better than this book. I hated it, if you couldn't tell. I, I can tell. I can tell. So I'm going to start out with the lightning round. Um, and if anybody has anything that they want to throw in and add, by all means, jump in on this. Lightning round begins... So we're going to start out with the Courtyard Chapter 1, um, and there's two chapters of Courtyard. First one starts out, you have a couple panels of this guy looking like he's doing something, you're kind of led to believe that he looks like he's strangling something or something like that. He starts telling you some racist comments about how the neighborhood he's in in Brooklyn has gone out, gone downhill, and you find out that he is an FBI agent, very racist one at that, who is stalking out this drug deal, and you also find out that he has a job where basically his he, he takes a look at weird connected murders and starts to find the anomaly theory. So like. There's a bunch of murders that have happened that have all been sort of... The way the murders have been done have been all very similar. However, the uh, the people who have committed the murders have all been very, very different. He's trying to find the weird things that connect them. And one of them is this club that he finds out about called... I think it's called Zodatik. Anyway, so there's fireworks going on because the town is uh, exploring. So he goes to this club, Zodatik. I think I'm saying that right. Runs into one of his contacts, uh, and he starts talking to this dude um, who uh, is going to point him in the direction of a guy who's going to sell him the drugs that everyone seems to be on. Um, there's this uh, singer on stage who's singing weird, sort of cryptic, semi-gibberish that gets way more gibberishy as it goes on. He ends up finding this drug dealer who has this veil on. He basically talks to him and says, hey, I want this drug or whatnot. And so they they arrange a meeting to go, you know, meet up later. He then goes to a fax booth, which I've never fucking heard of in my entire life, where he gets a, a fax from the FBI, giving him some instructions and things like that. And one of the instructions he gets is an old photo of like a guy under a blanket, and you think there's some sort of like demon thing going on here. So anyway, then you go ahead. Uh, next scene, the. Um, He's still complaining about like these crazy neighbors he has in his flop house and how much they're like a pain in the ass and all sorts of shit. He ends up going to this weird tenement that looks abandoned. There's a painting on the wall that has some sort of like weird, kind of looks like cousin it with his arms hanging out mural. He goes up into the building and as he's going up there, uh, this woman comes out, finds out it's the uh, the drug dealer's mother. He says just ignore her, or whatever. So the drug dealer is about to give him drugs and he tastes it and goes, it's just you know this isn't the drug you wanted me, uh, you're gonna give me, which is called Al Aclo, um, but it's actually he can tell that it's a drug called DM7. And he complains and so he's like no this is what it is so he takes the drug while he's on the drug the drug dealer with the veil starts whispering like words into his head and he starts to kind of like hallucinate and then he starts going into these weird sort of like trippy satanic kind of visions in his head kind of thing and so he starts to kind of realize that like they, they say it's sort of like a primal language kind of thing and this dude kind of starts to lose his shit and he starts walking away and he's kind of he, his Perceptions of things start to become a little bit strange, and then you see the same image of him again now covered with blood, and you're realizing that he's killed his neighbor that was annoying him. And that is the end of the courtyard. So we're jumping into Necronomicon. You start out with these uh, FBI agents that are going into this mental hospital, and the security's lighter than they expect. They end up going and talking to the FBI agent you just met, who has now carved a swastika into his forehead, a la uh, Marilyn, or, uh, uh, Charles Manson. 
he's still talking absolute fucking gibberish and they can't make any sense of him. And they bring up the club Zotathik and he shuts up. Like he's gibbering on, gibbering on, and that's the first thing he shuts up at. So they think, okay, if he shuts up about this, he has something going on about it. So they decide, they call in their, uh, their head office, they go back to um, uh, Brooklyn and they're talking about um, all of this stuff. There's a lot of side chatter about how one of the two detectives had taken off uh, some time because she is a sex addict. Um, and uh, so they end up talking and they get dressed up and they go to Club Zodathique. And the lead singer is uh, of this band is singing. Uh, he's in the same gibberish that the other guy was singing. Uh, the police raid in looking to try to get um, the drug dealer. Um, while they're going through the raid, um, this semi-famous star like jumps out of a window and tries to attack one of the main security guards. FBI detains her. They keep sort of raiding the place and they find out that there is a secret back tunnel and it's gone. So someone turns them on to where the actual drug dealer's house was. So they go back to the drug dealer's house. Um, they're knocking, they're going through the upstairs doors. They find the mother of the drug dealer, which you saw in the previous sequence, like really gruesomely killed and lying on a bed naked, which is pretty gross. The drug dealer with the veil sort of some appears through the mural that's downstairs and, uh, and then suddenly disappears back into the mural and they can't figure out what the fuck's going on with that uh, in chapter one. Then chapter two, they're trying to do some uh, forensic tests on all sorts of stuff. They're doing all, they're looking at all this sort of stuff and they think it's kind of weird. Well, they find um, like a, a book by a, uh, like that's some sort of necromancy thing. Uh, so they decide they're going to go to this bookstore to try to find more information. Uh, she gets changed while having this whole conversation completely naked in front of the other cop who doesn't seem to care about any of it. And she gets sluttied up. And so they go to this bookstore thinking it's going to be like a porn store kind of thing. Uh, they go in the porn store. It ends up being just like sort of a, a lot of occult books and things like that. But then in the back they have a bunch of like sexy time play things and things like that. So they start talking to them about it and they have like a group that's sort of like a group sex thing that's a cult and whatever. So they, the two uh, cops who are Ending to be a couple, they get invited into the sexy time thing. So they decide they're going to come back later. They keep talking, and he's asking why she bought these extra books, and she's like wanted to know uh, more about this occult stuff. Anyway, so they show up at this place called Whispers in the Dark, and they start going into this uh, tunnel that dates back to the 18th century, and they get into this room, and there's already a few people naked, and there's more people changing. So all these people get naked, gratuitous nudity, take a drink. Well, she takes out her contact lenses because she's afraid of... Um, uh, getting like dirt and stuff like it behind it. So she's basically flying blind through most of this. They go in in the water. She uh, decides, or he says that he's going to go back and get some medication or whatever. And one of the women finds a, uh, has gone through his stuff and found a gun. They realize that he's a cop. So they shoot him immediately, but she's still there and she's still kind of blind. Uh, they end up having sort of this group gangbang with her um, with the gun to her head. And then they open up this gate at the end of the pool and she can tell that something's coming in and starts kind of like they're having sex with this weird creature or whatever. She can't really see what it is. And eventually, it starts having sex with her and all she can really see is its eyes. Uh, and chapter two. Then the beginning of chapter three, they're interviewing the celebrity that sort of attacked her. They can't really get a whole lot out of her. It's kind of a pointless interview. Um, but what they start figuring out is that all the names of different places and people and stuff that they've been talking to are associated with H.P. Lovecraft stories uh, and different characters like that. So. You then see uh, the woman, she has is being raped by this weird animal. She goes to this weird sort of transcendental location, kind of looks like a destroyed underwater land. The guy with the, vase, uh, the veil shows up, starts talking to her, and she starts realizing that she is in a location that was written about by um, H.P. Lovecraft. Um, she ends up kissing him and then wakes up on the floor. There's a woman there with a gun telling her basically she still has to hang out with this creature thing that's in there. It's like a creature from the Black Lagoon. She starts freaking out and trying to get out of there. The creature from Black Lagoon drags her down, has sex with her again. Uh, when we go back to the cops, they're starting to discover, they make all the connections to all these different people. And um, 
they start realizing that, you know, maybe that it is, they all start making the realization that it's this HP Lovecraft connection sort of thing. And so they're going in to try to look for more information. So we go back to the underground pool. Um, the monster is there. She's eating a little bit of food. She is uh, too tired and too sore to have sex with him again. So she decides to give him a hand job, which apparently he appreciates greatly. He goes and sits in the corner. She has to take a pee, so she pees. He ends up tasting her pee, and then he drags her uh, out into the ocean, helps her escape. And so she's in the water, uh, swimming away. And then we flash to uh, chapter four, where in chapter four, she shows up in the ocean. Some local people rescue her. She borrows a cell phone, and she calls the police and says, you got to go raid this bookstore, blah, 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 blah. So she's going in to raid this bookstore, um, which is the entrance to the tunnel I aforementioned. Um, and the police are going through there, and all these people are coming out with guns. And if they haven't been killed already, the police end up killing basically all the members of this little cult sort of thing uh, going through there. They end up like, raiding the place. It takes a long time. They're discussing the shit out of it. And this raid goes on and on and on. Um, and eventually they get to the creature that's in the basement and the FBI shoots the shit out of it. Um, it's bloody and it's in the ground, but they kind of close do like a video close up of its eye and you're ne I'm, I'm sure it's probably led to believe that's not quite dead. So anyway, but then we flash to three months later. Uh, she is still obviously doing some research on the Necronomicon and all sorts of stuff. She then goes to back to visit the guy from the first one um, with uh, the swastika carved in his head, the, the first FBI agent who's kind of an asshole. And he's talking gibberish to her and she starts talking gibberish to him back. And then they start talking in English and he's asking her how she knows what happened, blah, 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 blah. They have this weird psychedelic connection, whatever. And she realizes that she knows why the creature helped her escape is because when he tasted her pee, he could tell that she was pregnant and she's going to have the baby of this weird, you know, crazy creature. It's basically going to be the Antichrist. And then she leaves and there's a focus close upon her stomach that she's going to be taking care of the baby and we're all going to be doomed by the Antichrist. The end. Did I miss no. anything in there? <laughs> I think he did pretty good. <laughs> yep. And I basically, I think she's gonna. I, I believe it's like she's gonna give birth to uh, Cthulhu. Yeah, she's there. giving birth to Cthulhu or whatever. And that was that. Um, and I tried to stream through that as quickly as possible because let's be honest, there's a lot of rambling on in the middle of that shit. Like it goes on and on and on for a bit. Um, <laughs> sorry, I just saw the uh, the notes because I've been sitting there staring at my book for a while, pulling a uh, cue and just trying to read through the book. So, well, Maya. What are your thoughts, buddy? Um, first off, uh, I know this isn't the reason why, but uh, I would I would have banned this book for being shitty, not just for for its content. Yeah. Um, and I, I have this problem with almost any book that Avatar Press puts out, uh, like Crossed or anything, where to me a lot of it just seems fucked up for the sake of being fucked up. Okay. Um, now I get I I get the the what it was doing with the Lovecraftian mythos and and how uh, you know Lovecraft in there was supposed to be a uh, like premonitions of of the coming apocalypse and you know she was pregnant with Cthulhu at the end, um, but at the same time. To me, it just seemed like a lot of... And I have this problem with a lot of Alan Moore... More recent Alan Moore stuff is just being fucked up for the sake of being fucked up. And mm -hmm. in addition uh, to, like you said, there was a lot of rambling in this book. That's I have that problem with every Alan Moore book as well. Uh, I think Watchmen is the only book of his that I enjoy. Uh, I do not like Alan Moore at all. Um, I didn't think, again, I didn't think it was scary. It had some cool imagery. I liked the art. That's the only positive thing I can say about it. Um, but, uh, yeah, especially with... If, especially, if you're not into Lovecraft, I wouldn't even touch this book at all. Um, mm -hmm. If you have... I would, I would say, even though I didn't like it, if you do... 
have an affinity for, for any kind of Lovecraftian mythos, you might like it. Me, not so much. That's fair. Adam, what are your thoughts? <clears throat> Again, it goes back to the fact that, you know, the art in this book is incredible. I love Jason Burroughs. And it's an... And I actually I do like Lovecraft a lot, so I actually did enjoy the, the mythos behind it and where it was going. But the reason why I said no, I couldn't recommend it is I've got a really, really hard problem when they, like... Especially when, like, they... The way they denigrate people is with rape. And this yeah. book is incredibly rapey. I mean, and, like, you know, we, we, we were kind of, you know... We, every time I said rape last time, we had the, the Wilhelm scream. Which... But that was, like... I don't, I don't know. Just, I, I have a really big problem when the only way, like, you can show how to fully denigrate someone is through that and it's with this it's not even just these crazy cultists who are doing these group orgies to like worship Cthulhu it's like this weird fish creature and all this I don't know it just it's I'm not a huge I, I got into Alan Moore through Watchmen and then I read like Feed for Vendetta and I read uh, a lot of his other stuff but I'm with mine in the sense that I think he had one good idea with Watchmen <laughs> And uh-huh. then, like, everyone put him on this huge pedestal, and, like, he's not that great a writer. I mean, like, so I actually, I do enjoy Crossed, but I only really like it when Garth Ennis is, is writing it. And they did a, uh, a run where it was, like, Crossed 100 years later with Alan Moore writing it. And he tried to do this thing where, like, to show how, like, how language and dialogue would have changed in 100 years. And you couldn't even read the book because it was so weird and fractured, like, in this gibberish language. Well, so Was it was it Aklo or whatever it is they're speaking in this <laughs> fucking book? Yeah. Well, that's not make sense because... It, it, <laughs> If you know the Cthulhu mythos, you actually you, you'll recognize some of the things they're saying because it's it's from Lovecraft. Um, but yeah, again, everyone puts Alan Moore on this pedestal, and I don't think he's that good of an author, and I don't think he's that good of a comics creator because he had one good idea that was fantastic, and that is, I mean, if we ever do Watchmen, we we could spend two months doing it because there's so much you can dive yeah. into on that. But yeah, so if you like Lovecraft, you're gonna enjoy this book. But it was just too weird and raping, and I just it, parts of it were hard to get through. I think what it is, too, is I don't think necessarily Alan Moore has bad conceptual ideas. I think he just doesn't execute them very well. Um, I think the best execution he had was Watchmen, and I'm wondering if that's a case of that was with DC, so he had an editor, and you know maybe there was someone who can kind of help keep him in line. It's also probably before he got super, super fucking druggy, because uh, from all reports that I understand, he's just like fucked out of his mind all the time and just kind of weird mm-hmm. dude now. He's a, he's that a tree wizard. Yes, he he's a crazy tree wizard. Yeah, he's a crazy tree wizard. The thing is, this book kind of, in a negative way, reminded me of a book I actually really like, um, which is a series called Unwritten. I don't know if anybody else here has read that series or not. I've read the first trade. I've, I read the yeah. I've read about the first trade's worth as well. Um, yeah, and so like I've read quite a bit through it. Um, I've liked it a lot, and I know it's one of those books too that I, I know if you only read the first trade, you can kind of be like, eh, okay. I it, it kind of got into me a little bit later on. The thing about it that I like that they kind of get later on is that they get into this idea of that um, literature and stories have an actual power and where those are written actually have a specific power as well. So there's a sort of thing about location as to where things are written and then the stories themselves have a power and they have the ability of jumping through the powers. And so like, there's a little bit of that sort of like the story and the, the literature is connected to a reality, which is kind of fun. I think Unwritten does it better than this, but there's like I, I saw that kind of connection to it. Yeah, it was just kind of like... I just read it. I was kind of like, eh, okay, I read it. Like, it was definitely uncomfortable with the monster rapey stuff like that. If that was in a movie, that would be... Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still horrifying in this. I think this is probably the most horrifying thing we've read, but it's not scary horrifying. It's just kind of awful shit. I kind of saw what he was getting to, but, like, it all. It sometimes feels like, actually, Todd will understand this reference. It reminds <laughs> me of a former roommate I had who liked to pretend like they were smarter than they really were and try to be like, look how clever I am. I connected all these dots. And when they're all of a sudden explaining, like, oh, all this is Lovecrafty and stuff and blah, 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 it was like, yeah, okay. So it's all connected through Lovecraft. Great. You know what I mean? There's a monster in a river 
raping a girl. That's, you know, I mean, that's kind of what it was. But anyway, Todd, what are your thoughts? So this book made me uncomfortable and not so much scared. A little bit grossed Mm -hmm. out. Yeah. I don't think I've read comics before that really make me feel uncomfortable the way this one does. So, and I've Mm -hmm. read the first Crossed, and Cross is just gross and over the top. And it's trying to, how can I over the top this? And this isn't trying to be over the top. It's like, oh, let me be deep. And yeah, Alan Moore's done too much drugs and he's fried his brain. (laughs) I really like Alan Moore. And I think even V for Vendetta is amazing and fantastic. This is not either one of those. I mean, is this his, uh, I need a paycheck. Let's um, riff off of this kind of an idea. And it's, I mean, Jason Burroughs does the art. I really enjoy the art for this. I mean, as much as you can enjoy rape sequences, I guess. I'm not sure. Mm. Big, yeah, big, the, big, veiny monster dick. I mean, there's the big, veiny monster dick. Don't yeah. get me wrong. But, I mean, people are drawn. <clears throat> at the same time, I mean, there's a lot of nudity in it. And you've got naked dudes and naked women. But at the same time, they're drawn... There is a realism. I mean, it's not realistic drawings, but there is a realism <laughs> to body types. Yes. Uh, and I appreciate the realism to body types because even the uh, fit heroine of the piece, I mean, there's nothing totally crazy exaggerated. And then you've got other people that just look mm-hmm. like other people, and there's a dude in there. I'm like, yeah, that's about how I look like naked type of a deal. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell me which page that one's on? I'll text it to you later. (laughs) So, really, the best thing about this book happens to be the art. And if we can't... I can't recommend it for the story, but the art in Jason Burroughs is really done... Well done. And he draws fucked up things really well and the Cthulhu shit and the crazy visions in the courtyard and these other things it does a good job and you even the underwater sea there's art gallery at the end of the book I almost wish some of the pages weren't there and the uh, text bubbles weren't there and it would make it a better piece of work so as you watch this Alan Moore is a detriment to this piece and not so much a as anything else is he did not add stuff to it. He just made it worse. While Jason Burroughs is very much doing the assignment, for lack of a better term, it's really the best part. Well, it sounds like we all could use a drink. I've been drinking heavily um, for this one. Yes. Behold, Mr. we finally fulfill the second half of our Mr. title Boone. and make with the fire Mr. water. Alcoholics So my cocktail is uh, is called the Necromancer, and this very obviously, for those of you who know, my favorite cocktail is the Corpse Reviver Number Two. This has a lot of similarities to Corpse Reviver Number Two. Um, it is three quarters of an ounce of absinthe, three quarters of an ounce of Lilith Blanc, three quarters of an ounce of a elderflower liqueur, three quarters of an ounce of lemon juice, and one dash of gin. And you all add all the ingredients in a shaker, fill with ice, shake the shit out of it, strain into a coupe glass, and you can garnish with a lemon twist. So. Every time I though I hear elderflower, my brain goes to Monty Python mm-hmm. and your father smells of elderberries. <laughs> yeah. And so I hear elderflower and I just think of the uh, French taunting with elderberries yeah. every single time. I'm like, yeah, I can't take that seriously. He said elderberries. It's just what goes in my mind. So between that and fancy, that's where we are. Fancy. Well, Todd, then what's your cocktail? Mine is called the plow. 
because you're plowing through this book and if you drink this it plows you right back I uh, hope you guys like a dry drink. Um, it's three quarters ounce of dry gin. It's three quarters ounce of dry vermouth. It's three quarter ounce of sweet vermouth. Four dashes of absinthe and a lemon twist. You pour all that shit together and you shake the absolute shit out of it. Pour it in a martini glass and it's three gulps and you're done. Uh, that's a very dry plow. Uh, speaking <laughs> of dry plow, right. Adam, what's your? Uh, so mine is called fish sauce. <laughs> 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 if there's not salt in there, you've mad, you've missed out. Uh, there is not. It's actually it's, it's a it's a take on a Cuba, Cuba Libre. Uh, you do one ounce of dark rum, a half ounce of amaretto. You mix it in with four ounces of coke, and then you garnish with a slice of lime and orange. And my your cocktail. So mine, since since every time the creature was on the page, all it could do was remind me of the creature from the Black Lagoon. My drink is called just that. Uh, it's one and a half ounces of Grey Goose vanilla vodka, one ounce oh. of green cream de menthe. Uh, you combine both of those into a cocktail shaker with ice, shake well, and strain it into a chilled gla- cocktail glass uh, that's been drizzled with chocolate syrup. Does anybody have anything else they really want to discuss on this before we jump into a final grade? No. Uh, Maya's <laughs> drink sounds better than the book. That's my last <laughs> All very, very, very true. Okay, well, so then we will jump into final grades. Jamie, school is never a waste of time. Since we have 15 minutes until recess, please put down your pencils and stare at the front of the room. It's report card time. It's report card time. It's report card time. I'm so fucking done. God, please, no! 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 For writing and story, I am going to go with, uh, I'm going to say a B minus. It's not necessarily that it's bad, it's just kind of pointless. Todd, what's your grade for writing? You know, I'm going to give it a C plus. It's, um, it's kind of bad. I okay. mean, it's, uh, <laughs> you, you can look at it, but no, it's actually, it's kind of bad. And if it wasn't Alan Moore's name on it, it's like someone impersonating Alan Moore. Poorly. So, yeah, give it a C. Actually, no, it's not a C plus. It's a C. This is a okay. poor imitation of Alan Moore. Uh, Maya, what's your grade? Uh, I'm giving it a D minus. Okay. I can't bring myself to give give the uh, the story an F, but uh, d- strong D minus. And Adam. Uh, C minus again. This is uh, Alan Moore is most crazy indulgent, and it's. I like Lovecraftian Italian, but it just there's too much bullshit, extraneous bullshit surrounding it that I couldn't enjoy it. Art, uh, Adam, we'll start with you. I'll actually give this one a B because again, Jason Burroughs is a is a great artist. Um, all in, while this is full of a lot of disturbing images, uh, they they are very well drawn, and I love his style. Todd, what's your grade? I give it a B. This is my first book of Jason Burroughs I've read. I really enjoyed the art looking at it. He has good detail and broad strokes, and when it needed to be creepy, it was quite creepy. All the characters were quite individual. It was easy to identify who was who. And so you have the design and everything else that goes along with it was done very well. So, I mean, the artist really did a great job. So I give it a B. I'm going to give it a, an A-. Uh, it's good art. It just The artist was required to draw some fucked up shit, um, and I think <laughs> he did the best job possible with that. So I'm, I'm trying to not... Old, what 
content is based on what the actual skill of the art is. And I think the art is actually done very well. Mm -hmm. um, and the, it's laid out well and interesting, but it's just, you know, he had to deal with some fucked up shit. And Maya, what's your great art? Uh, I'm actually giving it a B. Like I said before, I didn't hate the art. Uh, that was not my problem with it. In fact, <laughs> I, I quite liked uh, the art in this. Uh, and then we're going to go for, because it's <clears throat> Halloween, our scary, disturbing horror factor. Uh, so we'll give it a, let's see, so we'll say, Maya, what's your grade? Uh, I'm actually giving it an F. It didn't scare me. It didn't, it didn't make me feel horrified at all. It just made me feel icky and gross. Mm -hmm. And, uh, like, I like horror movies. I like jumping. I like being on the edge of my seat and being scared. Uh, I don't like feeling icky, and that's what this book made me feel. So, F. Adam, what's your... Grade. Uh, I'll give it a C plus. I mean, just it, again, it wasn't scary, but it was fucked up, and it mm -hmm. was creepy, and it was gross. It made me feel icky. Um, so, but, but again, that's. I mean, there's a lot of horror movies out there that do the same thing. Doesn't mean I actually like them, uh, but it's it, it definitely has the ick factor going for it. Todd, what is your uh, horror grade? I'm allow. I'm a. I'm with Adam. The an F to me is something if it fails to produce any kind of reaction. So um, it's I was icky seems to be the word, isn't it? I did get mm -hmm. eked out. I was a little bit um, I wasn't embarrassed by any means, but I just looked at this and I was uncomfortable as I read it. And I'm sure there were some things that they were going for in that regard. So there was some success for what they were shooting out. I I, I want to take a shower. So. <laughs> For the reading this book goes, okay. it's time to take a shower. Some not even pit stop will help there. It's a full on shower to clean this one off me. So, but you, it was like yeah. share and silkwood. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. So it's a C. You just just and when you go take that shower, hold the curtain up to your face so you can be behind the veil. <laughs> <laughs> no, bad puppy. Three in one episode. Yes. yes. <laughs> I just felt like giving you that one just for fun. That's right. Um, I'm also going to be giving it a C, but I think I'm giving it a C because the most horrifying thing to me in this book, I kept getting the feeling that Alan Moore was writing this fucked up shit because he wanted someone to draw it for him so he could look at it. Like, that's the vibe I just kept getting. It was, it was just sort of like we were looking at some dirty old man's wet dreams is sort of what this came across to me as. Uh, and that, that was the ickiest factor of it. So, with overall grades, Maya... What do you say? With me liking the art, that's going to bring up my final grade up a bit. Uh, I'm going to go D+. Adam, what's your grade? Uh, I'm going to C. Uh, again, there's there are some redeeming qualities about this book. Uh, again, name with the art, I think we're all kind of on uh -huh. the same page with that. Uh, but this is a matter of letting Alan Moore go batshit crazy, more so than normal. And I, I actually do kind of agree with you, Todd, that he wrote all this shit down because he wanted someone to draw it for him. <laughs> oh, that was me. <laughs> Brian. Oh, it was you. Sorry, I thought it was Todd. Um, <laughs> But no, no, it's it's there's just I love Lovecraft and I, I there there is actually a really cool story that could be told with these characters and with this, these cultists. Uh, it just went about it way the wrong way. So, Todd, what's your final grade? No, I'm right there. It's with a C. The art really elevates the story, but the story brings it down. It is um, it missed. I mean, if there's ever an example of why you need an editor, I would bring this one out. This one and probably uh, Harry Potter book six are the two biggest examples of say, and this is what happens when the editor isn't around. But it's a C. The art is done, um, executed flawlessly, in my opinion. The story is self-indulgent bullshit. 
and I'd be afraid to recommend it because I, I feel I'd be if I I mean it was fine and but if I recommended it I felt I would be heavily judged in a poor light for doing so so yeah well um, I'm gonna also go with the C more because I just feel like it just after this book other than the icky feeling of it like it just kind of it was there like I didn't feel like I really gained anything from it and frankly now that we've done reading this book it's going to go on my bookshelf and the only other times I'm ever going to go looking for this book or look at this book is when I'm reorganizing my comic book collection and that's going to be about it it's just kind of like it's there it's it's a bland item that just is there it just exists but you know there's nothing that so well does anybody have any recommendations and now it's time for recommendations that time in the show where the panel tells you all the crap they are currently into, but will forget about as soon as they see something shiny. You're a stamp tramp. How dare you? And what is that? You give your stamp of approval to everything. It's become meaningless. Why can't you be more like your wife? Lily's stamp is gold. I'm reading this book because of her. I'm drinking this beer because she recommended it. I'm even wearing this bra because of a lingerie store Lily told me about. Um, so it's not complicated, but I I recently picked up um, for the Nintendo 3DS. Uh, way back in the 80s, they did uh, Metroid 2, The Return of Samus, and they just redid it for the 3DS. It's got really cool graphics, new moves, new kinds of fun stuff. And if you like old school, like, retro platformers where you start out helpless and then you, like, you gain new powers to go to new places and do stuff, it's a lot of fun, so... Adam, just out of curiosity, as a Lovecraft fan, for someone who would be interested in reading some Lovecraft, what would be a good starting point? Um, what's actually really interesting, so I've read, I've read the actual, a lot of the HP Lovecraft like, short stories. What mm-hmm. I've had the most fun with is um, there's a whole series of board games out there called uh, by Fantasy Flight Games. You've got like Arkham Horror, uh, Eldritch Horror, uh, Mansions of Madness. So if you're a board gamer, um, these are all heavily steeped in the Cthulhu mythos. And it's they're, they're kind of long games. I mean, some of them like Arkham Horror is the granddaddy of them all. You can take up to six hours playing it. Um, whereas Mansions of Madness is a little bit faster. Um, and it, it was actually that was what kind of got me to jump off into the Cthulhu mythos and t- start to learn everything. So um, obviously, just pick up any collection of H.P. Lovecraft stories. Uh, with him, it's kind of hard though because he he wasn't a good person. He was a hardcore racist, um, which most people don't know. But uh, the the modern stuff with the games and everything else has been a lot of fun. So. Well, Maya, do you have a recommendation? Yeah, and this kind of ties into next week's book and a book I believe you guys did last year. Um, so we there's been Afterlife with Archie. Uh, next week, I believe we're mm-hmm. doing Sabrina. Yep. And uh, there's a book that's just about to start. In fact, when this comes out, it will have already started. But they, they did a one-shot for it uh, called Jughead the Hunger. Um, now it's not tied in, you know, Sabrina, Afterlife, and this ju- new Jughead book are all separate books, uh, but this is basically Jughead as a werewolf, and uh, oh, okay. it was a lot of fun. Uh, are, is it just a one-shot, or are they doing, like, enough for a trade? The, the one-shot is out right now. They're actually, uh, it, they may even just, just call it a zero issue, but it's going to be an ongoing series uh, starting up here soon. In fact, when, when, this, when this episode is uh, put up, uh, the first issue should be out. Uh, Todd, do you have any recommendations? Yeah, so if you want to read an Alan Moore book that I would recommend, and that's um, Watchmen is always a standing one, but not that one. It's actually V for Vendetta. Which we are doing in the near future, so don't read it too soon. Or you can read it now. Read it now. It's uh, not small, but go read V for (laughs) Vendetta. Um, Alan Moore and David Lloyd. It's really good. The movie's great. 
Um, it's a kind of, it's a simplified version of the book, of course, but the book is fantastic. So let's do that before he fried all his brain on drugs and still had an editor that could influence him. Yeah, that's the first book we're doing in November. So we're going to read that soon anyway. So there you mm-hmm. go. Very topical. Because, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it takes place around, or a lot of it has to deal with the 5th of November, and that episode will come out on the 6th of November. That, that's something I really dislike about that book, and, and therefore the movie, is since the movie came out, every year, every asshole on Facebook, remember, remember the 5th of November. Yeah. Dude, you're yeah. American. Shut yeah, up. Yeah, we don't care. Yeah. That has nothing to do with you. I'm so posting yeah. that on your page like every hour. On the <laughs> I will fucking unfriend you. No, no my you just, respond, you just respond back, moist mother. <laughs> moist mother. <laughs> you guys are I got, I got a, we, we got to find a book where I can make a drink called the moist mother. <laughs> that's, oh, that's our new goal in life, kids. Could have done it for this book. recommendations, oh, let us have. know. And then, I, I mean, we talked about it earlier if I didn't edit it out, but I am a big fucking fan of the TV show The Orville. At least the first episode is aired at the time of this recording. Hopefully the rest of them hold up, but I really, really dug it. So, you know, I might be retracting that next week and saying, yeah, so the second episode came out and it sucked, but I'm hoping, I mean, it looks fun, um, and I, I was really enjoying it, and I hope it, it actually takes off and mm-hmm. does well, because I, I love the shit out of it. So, well, next week we are going to be doing Sabrina... Uh, they're the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which was actually a recommendation from Maya. Um, Maya, do you want to give us a little heads up as to what we will be encountering next week? Uh, actually, more, uh, I can't remember if this is in the trade or not, because I've, I've been reading the issues. Um, but just creepy horror, uh, they're, they're, it does t- end up touching on to some Cthulhu. Oh no, that's an afterlife with Archie. Never mind, I'm, I'm mixing up my Archie uh, horror universes. Yeah. Um, so no, this one doesn't touch in on Cthulhu, I don't think. Uh, just creepy Sabrina the Teenage Witch, witchy stuff. Well, Todd loved the shit out of it. Todd, do you, do you have uh, anything else to add to that? You know, the, this modern Archie stuff is just... I haven't read anything I've regretted yet. It's fantastic. They're mm-hmm. quickly becoming my, my... It's displacing Marvel for me. I don't really what I want to oh, read. Really? It's like, do I read Marvel or some new Archie shit? And I'm like, I think I'd rather read Archie shit. So, uh, yeah, okay. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I loved it. So it's, uh, it'll be exciting to come. And, yes, there's a talking cat. So for those who are wondering. I'm yeah, always excited. Yes. Well, cool. That's so why that'll I'm so be tired. next week. Like, because of a talking cat? No. <laughs> just for you, Adam. I'll, I'll our listeners go back and <laughs> rewind that. <laughs> well, and... So this is what ends up happening too. Is half the times when I edit it, all of a sudden I notice stuff, and then I like I will move things around a little bit so it's more in the clear. So they probably heard that just fine, and I just didn't catch what that was. So I'm I'm listening in the future, and I'm going, oh shit, that's what he said. Adam made a dirty joke. Adam made a dirty joke, and I missed it. So Sabrina is going to finish up our uh, October Halloween mm-hmm. month because it will come out the day before Halloween. Uh, just to give our listeners a little more chance if they want to uh, get some of these books ahead of time. For the month of November, we're doing uh, there's a bunch of November holidays, like a bunch of kind of all sort of stuff that's lined up. So we are doing um, a book for every holiday. So for the 5th of November, remember, remember the 5th of November, our episode actually comes out on November 6th, sorry. But uh, we're doing V for Vendetta. Um, And then for Veterans Day, we're going to be doing Captain America White. And then for Thanksgiving, we're going to be doing 1602. And then for Cult Day, apparently, which is after uh, Thanksgiving, we are doing the first book of Hellboy. So just to give you a heads up as to what's going to encounter, we'll probably go over those again next week because we typically do this at the end of the month. But since we uh, have enough information ahead of time, I figured I'd give you all an extra little bit of time to grab some of that stuff. So uh, next week we'll be doing Sabrina, and if no one else has anything else to add to this, I think we'll call that good. Moist. Yay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And that's where we stop. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. 
This band of knuckleheads will be back next week with a new episode. Until then, you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr as Funny Books and Firewater. And on Twitter as at FirewaterCast. Go to FunnyBooksAndFirewater.com for the most up-to-date information. As well as cocktail recipes from this and past episodes. Thank you for joining us. And until next week, support your local comic shop. Tip your bartender well. And stay hydrated.